Open Nesters podcast is a weekly podcast that explores new ways of living as our kids leave the nest. Now in season three, the podcast topics go deeper and wider in interviews with individuals, couples, and experts in areas ranging from relationships and families to adventure, spirituality, and sexuality. Welcome to the Open Nesters podcast, Isaac and Adam Pullman. So, so father and son, and we're going to talk a lot about your missions in life, uh, your being open nesters. Actually, you know, Isaac, I'm not even sure if with, with with kids, but obviously, Adam, your influence on Isaac. And let's start with that. Let's start with Adam, because he was the original of the two of you. And why don't you give us a two minute bio on on, you know, being a father and the stage of life that you're aging into right now. Well, first of all, I, I would say that very little of my life was intentional until it happened. Um, <laughs> that, you know, opportunities came up and, you know, sometimes I like to define myself or explain myself as the sum total of my yeses and nos along the way. Obviously, I'm, you know, a father. Um, Isaac was born. I was still 19. So it's kind of a, child bride he's he's been a great child um it's interesting we've been having this conversation about how to define how to introduce and you know introducing a 50 year old as my child seems like an odd thing to do um but there you go it's also always our child i mean what do you think your connection now what, what what's most alive for you in your connection now with your with your son with isaac with isaac well you know it's interesting he started on a journey um a new path a few years ago and um as that sort of developed i i we were having a conversation i said you got to be careful here isaac you're going to turn into your father um which is you know the, sort of the fear and the anticipation we have inherent in us as we as we age and we see oh this this is the age that I knew my parents at, and why am I different than them? Wonderful. That's that, that's that's a great lead into to Isaac. So, so Isaac, how are you? What did you get nurtured from? I mean, the most that you feel like you're growing into and and expanding that. Where do you find that alliance and alignment? Yeah. Well, it's it's been a really interesting journey with Adam as a father, <clears throat> as he mentioned already. He was essentially a child himself when I was born and and uh, so still very much learning about life and adulting and all of those things. And um, our relationship over the years uh, has changed and shifted and grown. And um, But I, I would have to say that um, it wasn't really until my son, who is now 18 years old, began in his own process of emerging into a young man or very, you know, adolescent boy and and then a young man that I really began to see Adam uh, through a new lens, uh, really one of like more mentorship, more teaching. Um, Adam, Adam is uh, an excellent teacher. And, and so I, my appreciation for him and also my need to uh, draw on his wisdom and experience grew and developed. Beautiful. So now I know that, that Adam, you recently moved away from the East Coast. And are you guys in touch pretty often, even though you're out there on the West well, Coast? Well, I moved now? away 25 years ago. 
which is in some ways sort of recent. I, I came out here for a holiday and somebody said, hey, you know, it never snows here. So I went home and packed everything that wouldn't fit in, <laughs> that would fit into a suitcase and sold the rest. And um, I've been here, owned this house for 22 years and in the middle of a big remodeling. Um, so I, I'm sorry, I, I went on a tangent there and forgot your question. Well, that I mean, just just your connection. How often do you guys talk? How often do you guys speak? I mean, different know, every, different every week or so. Yeah, and so the teaching that that Isaac mentions. Why don't we go to that, Adam? You're, I mean, you were you with the cuddle party concept when it started? Which, if you want to give us a little background on what is a cuddle party, because that's actually how I got to Isaac uh, through a friend of mine who runs some of them here, uh, Amanda Ananda. Um, cuddle party. So tell us about the cuddle party and why it has part of your mission involved in the in the teaching and consent and guiding you do around training facilitators to do that. Well, um, I'll I'll borrow from my friend Reed Mahalko, who's one of the founders of Cuddle Party, and explain Cuddle Party in a way that um, that I think that he would, um, which is to ask you a question: Have you ever said yes to something that you really didn't want to do? Yes. That's happened. Yes. Okay. Cuddle party will help you with that. Have you ever okay. said? I mean, I have in the past. I don't anymore. Have, but yes, exactly. that basically does. The, the consent is a huge foundation of cuddle party. Um, and the, and that helps with people who I've heard many interviews and read many things about. I'd say that if people don't know what it is and they get, you know, touch is a really tough thing for some people. So Isaac, I'm going to jump to you. You've been dealing with that as well. And um, and then also Isaac is very involved with a lot more kind of, e- I would even call it ecotherapy because you're guiding people with nature um, and, their, and getting back into their own belonging to life and nature. And I'd love to understand the overlap because I know you do both of those things. So sure. cuddle party as, as an essence of a human being kind of touch, connection, Give us a little background. Yeah, well, this is something that I've been uh, thinking about a lot. I think about relationships a lot and Cuddle Party and another kind of foundational workshop that I offer, experience that I offer, uh, which is called Forced Bathing, which is a Japanese uh, practice that that was brought to the United States, are both relational exercises. So as Adam was pointing out, the Cuddle Party can help with... uh, with human interactions uh, and through consent and communication and expression of our desire and the ability to say no and set good, healthy boundaries. Uh, And the forest therapy, forest bathing aspect of what I do is about how we take that, that, that set of relationship skills out into nature and have interactions with the natural world that are reciprocal, where we receive uh, not just, you know, the smell of a flower or uh, the tasty berry that we picked, but also how it nurtures our soul and how uh, it, it it creates an inroad for a sense of belonging to the planet and to the community of more than human beings that exist together on this planet. Uh, and so obviously communication with nature and communication with other humans can look really different, 
but essentially the roots and foundation of the two practices are the same. How do we create relationships that are healthy? How do we create relationships that are reciprocal? How do those relationships foster one another, foster diversity, and how can they be brought and made accessible to everybody? I, I want to come, I love this, and I love this explanation, and I want to come back again to the touch thing in one minute, because what, what, what what's alive for me thinking about this is this, the three generations of men, and how men have a hard time with so many of these kind of feminine concepts of of our belonging, of our embrace, and of our being able to be connected to Mother Nature, and, and I would like... Um, I'll start with Isaac because I wonder as you became what we call an open nester and your son turns 18, I don't know where, I'd like to know where he is right now and how receptive he is to this kind of teaching. Yeah, great question. Well, my son is actually in Turkey right now, uh, traveling on his own for the first time uh, in his life. He's actually with two of his cousins and all three of these young men uh, are very experienced and skilled world travelers uh but i i i notice the the sort of paternal instincts to remain connected to him and also to protect him and so it's it's despite my my overwhelming confidence in him uh i also know the world <laughs> and uh so there is this there's a little anxiety that's living in my chest right now about him being on his own and um and traveling and being so far away. Yeah. And what do you do about that anxiety? Oh, uh, breathe. <laughs> take, take, take good, strong breaths and, um, and, you know, really, really release and let go and surrender and, and trust, uh, in his, that he's supported, uh, he's supported by his family. He's supported by his own skill and abilities in the world. Um, and also knowing that I can't, you know, keep every, every little, uh, detail of, um, what the world is going to bring to him, uh, to bring to his doorstep, I don't have control over. Uh, so there's a lot of surrendering, I think that, that comes with this particular point in my life. And, um, you also asked about what, what he thinks of some of these concepts and, um, you know, my, my approach with him and and uh has really been to be very open um with him about the work that i do uh why i do what i do and um he's been with me on forest bathing walks he's not been until recently wasn't old enough to attend a cuddle party um i'm not sure if that would be of interest to him or not but uh he knows about these things and uh we speak a lot about matters of relationship matters of sexuality um and just what it is to be a man and a and a and a person in the world. Well, that I mean, I'd love to go deeper in that with both of you because men—that's something right now that it is, feels very con congested. I mean, for 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 us to be able to show the vulnerability of a man, of a father, of a role model. So, looking even for more the vulnerable moments that either of you that comes up for either of you that you think were teaching that were the teaching moments, and even knowing that there's usually resistance from uh, 14 to 18 to 20 year olds until they start maturing. There's usually some, some challenges along the way. And I think for our open nesters who are, who are becoming open nesters, that would be valuable to hear from men. So either of you can jump in because I do think that those 
those those sticky points are the ones where we learn the most. So, any either of you have a story around those things? I think the 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 key within my relationship with Isaac, as you know, the first um, experience of open nesting there was really to accept him as the as a fully functioning and capable adult and to see him that way not as somebody who needed to be fixed or protected but to be accepted and the degree to which i accepted isaac made it possible to for our relationship to grow over you know over a long period of time was there any breakdown that you see that you could point to that that maybe open opened a breakthrough, like when you were going through something hard, or you had to, you know, let him understand as an adult that this is not there were not no perfect pathway of parenting. Well, there's one thing which I won't go into all of the details on it, but there was a conflict that we had when uh, Isaac was a, he might have been twenty or in early twenties, and um, and he wanted me to do something and I didn't want to do it. And there was there was conflict right there. And I asked him about it some years later. I said, is there anything about that that we need to clean up? And um, and he thought about it and he said, you know, what the communication that he got from me was that I had faith in him as an adult to be able to work this out on his own. And rather than jumping in and, and protecting and uh, taking care, the experience was one of giving care and really uh, having the faith in him. And he may have a different he, um, perspective than I right now, but I saw him as a fully capable functioning adult and that he took on as being supportive rather than rescuing. Was that hard for you, Isaac? Thank you, Adam. It was um, it was difficult at the time because I was looking to be bailed out of the situation that I uh, put myself in. So I, I wouldn't say that I I saw it and perceived it and received it as a teaching moment or um, as Adam's faith in me or anything like that in the moment. But certainly years uh, afterwards, I did see it that way, and I still see it that way. And uh, I'm I'm glad you referenced that, Dad, because that was very informative to me and how to how to parent my own son beautiful so 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 really genuine to to know that that we are just here to look to not just to learn but kind of to to unlayer all the programs we have about what we're supposed to show up and fix rather just showing up that you know you 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 also believe in one another you believe in each other now and and that strength is that you could see in your connection. I think I'd like so, to add to, if I could, just yeah, you know that sure. what Adam was saying about seeing me as a as a fully functioning and capable adult. Um, I guess I want to say that from my experience of that, that's a practice. That isn't like a choice point. That's that that I made in a moment of like, oh, I'm just going to make this shift into seeing my son in this way. It's like an ongoing exercise of letting go and and trusting and letting go and trusting and then grabbing on again and then noticing that I'm grabbing on and being like oh okay you know um it's 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 like a it's like a muscle you have to exercise in my experience several years ago we the three of us 
uh, took a journey walking the Camino de Santiago uh, in Spain. And that was, there was a lot of evolution over the course of that, those weeks that we were walking together, um, that our relationships shifted and matured immensely during that and how we had faith in each other and how we were acknowledging at different places in our life cycle, our life's uh, living cycle, but also the places that we were coming together and being the same. That was a, a very telling and very nurturing experience. I've heard about Camino de Santiago from many people and hope to do it one day. I just um, want to say that I loved how how you talk about the pathway of being together. And I think it makes a connection for me about uh, vulnerability and acceptance and touch. So Adam, on the cuddle party front, since you, since, I mean, you mentioned Reed Mahalko, who actually we interviewed in season one, if anybody wants to look back, wonderful, wonderful human being. And on doing cuddle parties, how has that been your mission and then facilitating it? What are the things that you still enjoy about it? Like, what is it that is most important about a cuddle party in your, from your view and your scope right now? Cuddle party is a vehicle as opposed to a destination. Um, it's a it's a very advanced communication workshop in owning choice, in learning to acknowledge um, what one wants. A lot of people don't know what they want. Cuddle party is a place to practice that. Um, it's not the it's not the only one. My, my just the, the touch the touch thing though for let's go to the touch thing because a lot of I'd say America I mean people that are not familiar with the concept of 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 being embraced and and embracing someone and letting themselves be touched because they're not comfortable in their bodies so I'd like to like to make sure we discuss that especially having two men to discuss this with this is huge for me to hear from you because I know myself and yet I know the resistance so. If you could give an example, either of you, about you know someone who comes in and talk about that that feeling that they have about not knowing that some you could just watch also, and that's not no one's required to do anything. So I I do want to state that because what I know about the cuddle parties, and we don't you could find any of the rules by going online, so we don't have to go through all the the rules as if I don't even like rules, but agreements. Um, but if there's anything that you feel like is particularly helpful for people who don't really get it. And they, they think it's like, why would I touch another man? Or, or why would I cuddle with people that I don't know? Or any of those things that naturally I think come up. Like anything that you have to say about that, either of you, it's open. I want to offer a, an anecdote from a recent cuddle party that I um, facilitated uh, where uh, one of the participants uh, came, found out about cuddle, had never heard of cuddle party, found out about cuddle party because he was vacationing in Vermont and was looking for something to do and scrolling through Eventbrite and said, wow, what's that? And um, and so amazing risk-taking just, you know, right there of just being like, that's something I've never heard of. Sounds weird and fun and let me give it a try. Um, and so that person's first yes was in buying their ticket, right? And 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 then showing up. Uh, 
and then you know we we went through the 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 facilitated portion of the event and the and the um and all the rules and then we opened it up to the the free flow of of um then the laboratory of experimenting with that and he kind of froze mm-hmm. and he um he was kind of sitting off to the sidelines and of course as you put out uh, already pointed out no participation is full participation at cuddle parties. So, uh, no matter how you choose to spend the time, um, we make a point of acknowledging that, that that's still full participation, even if you leave at the end of the welcome circle. Uh, but this, this person was looking for an inroad. And, uh, at one point he, he got up and he, he won over to a, a group of people who were gathered together and they were interacting in various ways. And he just simply said, I want to have, I want to have a, a way of participating with you, but I don't know how. I don't know what to do. And, um, would somebody be willing to help me? And the whole group of people that were already engaged just completely opened up and swallowed him up and, uh, and, and made space for him. And I say swallow him up. I don't mean they just gobbled him up, but I, I mean that they, <laughs> they, they created a path, uh, a pathway for his participation, even though he wasn't really the only thing that he was able to express about his desire was that he wanted to participate in some way, but he was, he was, he was a little stuck. And without me having to do anything as the facilitator, the group managed it and they, and they, they, they made a a space for him and they invited him in incrementally. And by the end of the event, he was, uh, you know, fully expressed in his, um, and his own personalized creation of the experience that he was having. And why is that important? Why did he express that he got from that? What, did, what, what was the takeaway for him? Well, the takeaway for him was he, without sharing too much of the details of his life, uh, he was a very touch starved individual. And uh, so he, he was uh, both simultaneously. And we see this a lot at cuddle party where somebody is, deeply desiring to have the experience of touch, but also terrified of it as well. Um, maybe because they haven't gotten it for a long time or because they, they've they never received the kind of touch that they truly desired. They received a lot of touch in their life that maybe wasn't the kind of touch that, that, was, that felt safe or was nurturing to them. And so we can have this experience of, of deeply desiring something and being terrified of it as well. And, uh, what this person took away in their feedback was that they had uh, really felt the empowered feeling of being able to ask and receive specifically the kind of touch that they were needing and wanting. Because that's what's taught. It's not. So when they couldn't participate or they were frozen in whatever way, I, I, I wasn't there, and but I'm, and you didn't mention this, but I assume that the people that, that went to hold him asked him along the way, which is what the cuddle party is about, is every moment is, 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 a, is a complete agreement. And That's so exactly right. no one is, mm. is, is enveloped in a way that they're not realizing they can choose. Yes. And, that, and, and also the saying no, how, the reinforcing the saying no, how do you teach that, Adam? Like, because that obviously is such a big, important part of this. So how do people learn how to say no um, when they're feeling a little bit like maybe pressured, maybe like, oh, I wanted to do this or I should do this or I'm going to do that. I'm going to try this. So I'm going to be open to it. And yet they're 
finding their their that balance between the terror and the desire. Like what what is it that what how do you help them learn to say? Well, no, no is a, saying no is a practice skill, and it, you know in the uh, in the the course of a cuddle party in the welcome circle, there is a number of places where people are encouraged to practice their nose. And then in the sort of the freestyle cuddling that happens after the welcome circle, again, people are encouraged to practice their nose. And um, and I've had people come to cuddle parties and tell me at the very beginning, I'm going to sit here in the chair and I'm not going to do any of the exercises. I'm just going to watch. And had a wonderful experience doing that because they were encouraged. Um, my friend Betty Martin will say, it's not about the touch, it's about the choosing. And that's really important that um, saying, learning how to say yes to the things you do want is just as important as saying no to the things that you don't want. People get stuck on those both of those two things. And this also comes back around to the um, to the role of the facilitator to do nothing, to see somebody in a conflict where they're trying to fi- figure out how to fit in. And the, the one of the hardest things to learn, the hardest skill as a facilitator is to not interfere with people while they're in their process. And one of the things that I like to say about that is that we don't have to rescue people from their conflict any more than we have to rescue them from their joy. This is a part of their growth process. My first cuddle party, I hated it because we got to that point of choosing and I didn't know, I had forgotten how to choose things. And it took me, I wish I had got it done at one cuddle party, but it took several of them um, for me to begin to know. And that, and then that begins to transfer over into the rest of your life. How do you choose where to live, who to engage with, what to do for recreation or entertainment or you know, these seemingly like simple things, but people, um, many people have a difficult time with the choosing. Um, one of the things, it's such important. One of the things the color parade brings along with that, which is, again, a very important. Choosing to say no is a really important skill. Choosing to say yes is a very important skill. Take these two and put them together. Learning how to change your mind and communicate that I changed my mind is an enormously important skill. And the way that we develop that is by practice. Cuddle Party is a great forum for practicing these skills. And then they transfer over into the rest of your life. Your entire life, as well as like the, the, you know, what's where where so many people have so many hangups. We talk about a lot on this podcast is our sexuality. So the idea that we are such sexual beings in our essence, and then we don't even know what to choose for ourselves because we haven't experienced the yes, either for ourselves, with ourselves, in order to ask for the yes and the and the and the choices. And this is the practice that 
that we don't ever learn in our lives until often we get much older. So that's why I love this discussion for open nesters and particularly for men, because the two of you explaining this when I have many women on this podcast is really valuable for us to hear. And so Isaac, did you want to add to this, you know, what would this, this discussion of, I know around sexuality, around guiding even rather than coaching, which is kind of what your dad's also saying, like not jumping in when we have to fix things, which we all want to do such a society of fixing things. Yeah. Well, I think it, it kind of gets back to what we were both saying about, uh, releasing Adam, releasing me into adulthood, trusting me as a fully fledged grown up, me releasing my son to his European adventure and, um, off to college and these things, um, they're challenging. It's very tempting to hold on, uh, and to continue to seek to control the environment, um, to make it safer, to protect. There's a way in which cuddle party, and the work that that uh, we're doing is around in recognizing the inherent wisdom within each person. We're not teaching something at cuddle party or in forest bathing as much as we are clearing the path to a person's, an individual's personal wisdom. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows, you know, what they what they need. Uh, these, these things are inherent in us and they are, as Adam pointed out at the beginning, the amalgamation of a lifetime of yes, of the yeses and nos that we've already given. Right. And so, uh, we're not so much utilizing the kind of, uh, traditional teaching method of sort of like seeing the student as a, or the participant as an empty vessel and that we're going to impart something upon them that they didn't already have as much as we're serving as a facilitator or a guide to leading people back to their authenticity and allowing them to have the experience that they came and needed to have. So essential to, yeah. Yeah, it's a matter of you, you look at a baby, they 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 can say yes and no. They have no problem with that. They can receive nurturing touch. They can give nurturing touch. They have no problem with that. In the course of uh, growing up, the sit down and shut up. You know, I'm I'm telling you what what you're going to give your what you're going to do, what you're going to wear, the sort of empowerment is taken away. And a lot of the um, opening, open nesting is about really uh, giving that power back or creating an environment in which um, a person can rediscover that power and that empowerment in their life. Such a new, such a beautiful way to look at power from like uh, this perspective of of the release of into our into our authentic selves and into unlearning rather than all that we have to do and learn. So it it's it is, and it's so hard for people to trust that and surrender, and that's the practice. And so I, I is there any way that you would any 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 tools that you use or things that you would like to make sure people know about more of? I mean, I know that as um. 
as Isaac develops a laughingtreelife.com, which is a new website for him that's still in development. Uh, if you'd like to talk about that, I think I, I, I love forest bathing and I don't want to go far from that because I shower outdoors and I spend an hour with my feet in the ground as much as I can. I, every, like I try for every day. And because I know the feeling of connectivity to my essence through Mother Nature. So how do you help people? It seems like a natural thing that people should just do, but it's not natural. Like all these things that for some reason became unnatural. And that's what both of you are so beautifully teaching. And that's just, it's just so such a joy here. So I want more of this. I like to hear more of what are the tools and teachings that you're using um, even though they seem like they're so simple and basic. Well, the when it comes to forest bathing and the other nature connection work that I do, um, I really try to impart the, the the central teaching is is to impart a little bit of a shift, um, not so much away from the concept of Mother Nature, but toward a concept that is not originated to me, but of nature as a lover. So lover nature. And the reason why I make that distinction is because the relationship with mother often takes on the form of a one way kind of trend, you know, a set of transactions where we're receiving the nurturing from our mothers and most mothers never get the thanks and appreciation <laughs> and mm-hmm. the support that they really deserve for the amount that they put in to the relationship, uh, beginning with giving birth to us. Right. So, um, there is a little bit of a, like, you know, a feeding and a nurturing kind of, uh, that can be a little bit one directional, but a relationship with a lover is not like that, or at least a healthy relationship with a lover isn't like that. Uh, it's one where we have to constantly nurture the pathways of reciprocity and of support and um giving our gifts back into the relationship and so our relationship with nature as mother has taken us a little bit i think to a place of the sort of extractive world that we live in where we're sort of constantly taking and um offering very little back in terms of nurturing and growth and I really see my work about shifting our mentality away from that into one where we are l- in love with and acting through love with the natural world and all of its gifts. And um, f- one of my forest bathing mentors spoke about a concept that he calls wild tending. And uh, I'll just touch on that very briefly, but um, in in the hiker backpacker camping world, we have a, an ethic of leave no trace, uh, where we seek to move into a natural environment and move back out of it without having left any garbage or, um, you know, the, 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 the motto is leave only footprints, take only photos. Right. Um, and the leave no trace ethic and wild tending adds a little bit of a different idea to that. It's, it's one of, uh, noticing how being out in nature invariably has an impact on our presence has an impact in the natural world animals and plants even notice that we're there they respond to our presence uh they may even be damaged in certain ways 
by our presence, things get stepped on that we didn't mean to step on or what have you. Um, relationships, balances are disrupted, but our presence can also be a, uh, a source of, um, our disruption can be a source of new growth and change and nature thrives on the, the places of growth that come out of the broken and, uh, and, and where things uh, become disrupted. And so when we bring a consciousness to it, we can notice how our interactions with nature, while maybe on one level may seem destructive, we can make the necessary adjustments to um, ensure that a place that maybe we've visited too many times and is looking a little trampled, uh, we move our attention to somewhere else and we um, allow that space time to, to, to come back to life. And we may be surprised by what we find there the next time we visit. So sim- sim- similar to a, a lover that when some, sometimes we don't know, like like actually Reed Mahalko said once, I think in our podcast, that w- with all boundaries, sometimes we, we cross them sometimes in order to realize where where we have to find a way to, as in life, expand, contract. So interesting, that's what kind of came to mm-hmm. me like, as a lover, that's we don't know. We have to we have to play with that. And that lightness of play instead of as well as the awareness of of a, of a response. And it's the, I mean, with nature, we don't have I try to be tuned into what are the trees experiencing and what can I what can I show them in my love back to them? How can I be reciprocal? And it's a hard thing to figure out, like what, what I'm trying to give. But it's just it's a question and i think asking the question it we don't have to always have all the answers well taking this a little bit back to, to my relationship with adam so when i was a little boy we spent a lot of time outside in natural places and one of the things that i remember um from a pretty early age is that we would often be walking in the woods um sometimes on a trail but not necessarily always on a trail and we'd be stomping along and 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 then suddenly my and suddenly adam would stop and so of course i stopped too because i'm tagging along and he'd just look around and you know not say anything and so then i would get curious and be like hey dad what are we doing and uh (laughs) (laughs) and what i what i learned um through mimicry which is how many children learn uh was that there was value in stopping and tuning into the baseline energies of the place, what was happening right now and what changed about what had been happening. And I don't even know to this day, I don't know if that's actually the lesson that um, Adam was trying to impart on me. He might've just been tired of walking, but uh, what I, (laughs) what I took away from it was the importance of um, remaining in tune and in, in in tunement with what was happening in the environment around us. And that's something we do a lot in in cuddle party as well. That's that's a, a really good point. Um, I grew up with a forest in my backyard and spent most of my childhood playing in uh, old oak forest and eating berries and sumac and all of those wonderful things. And the relationship with nature. Uh, I think, you know, it ties into this idea of of a lovership is one of being present and attentive. 
you know, you can take all of the relationship workshops and the sexuality workshops and training and stuff like that and bring it down to being present and attentive. And one of the things that I noticed moving here to Southern California is a vastly different um, outdoor sort of nature environment. Whereas I grew up in the, the woodlands of the Northeast, this is desert and cactus and um, spiny things. And one of the things that I first discovered when I came here were the hot springs. We didn't have hot springs in Connecticut where I grew up. And here the water gushes out of the mountain at 110 degrees. And um, so I've been bringing people, this is part of my mission, to the hot springs in northern Baja, California for 22 years. Every spring, I'll get a group of people together and we'll go out there and we'll be in this natural environment. And I trust that what who needs to be there will show up and what needs to happen will happen. And there have been miraculous things um, that have happened by being present in you have to be different. It's a different set of the. It's a different application of the same set of skills of being present and aware that is needed on the East Coast, um, on the West Coast, and in our relationship with others, and our relationship with our our adulting uh, children. Um, coming into the life is inherently non-consensual. You didn't ask for it. You just ended up being here. And the empowerment of your children over a period of time is what allows that relationship, the elasticity that it needs to develop and grow. When we try to hold on to a certain, this is the, I'm the adult and you're the child and I'm you know, going to tell you how to live your life. Um, relationships break down over that because there's no trust and trust. I know this uh, was, uh, thank you for allowing me to preach for a minute. <laughs> um, this is beautiful. It ultimately comes down to trust. I trust you enough to let you go. And I trust the environment to support me. And I trust myself to be able to relate to you in an honest way of integrity. A lot of trust and, and trusting ourselves. So that silence of waiting. And I've noticed today you're very good at, like, like, I don't have to jump in. I mean, with an interview, it's always a flow to me, figure out what this flow is going to be. But I, the silence of listening and exactly what Isaac talked about, you stopped, we listen, we, we, we readjust, we show up, we're present. So I do want to have to wind down, and I'm this been so honored with this time. But I wonder if there's anything else left unsaid that you'd like to tell, or be able to, you know, express to open nesters and let and at this stage of life, any any you know ideas that you have, um, each of you as well as how they can you can be reached. I want to relate back to uh, very briefly a uh, a moment that I had as we were walking the Camino de Santiago together, the three of us, and um, my son was. This was four years ago. So he was 14 at the time. Uh, we had set out to walk one day and um, my father had 
slipped behind it behind and and Rowan had taken off ahead. And so I, I found I came around a corner and I found myself at this moment where I couldn't see either of them. And I stopped on the on the path and I just felt the energetic stretching. It was like my arms were being stretched in two different directions of wanting to hold on to these two individuals. And I couldn't hold on to either of them, really, uh, and still walk my own authentic path. And I realized in that moment that all three of us, though we were walking the same trail, we were walking different trails, right? We were walking our individual paths side by side, or sometimes not side by side. The experience of being um, in a loving relationship with anyone was, but particularly these two men, was about letting them go and releasing them to walk their path. And so that, I feel like that um, message weaves through everything that we spoke of today. And so I'll, I'll leave it there. So beautiful. Thank you, Isaac. And I already put the website in on verbally, but it'll be there on our blog, how people can reach you. And Adam, how about you? You know, I, I would take from where Isaac uh, shared about that experience that I, I walked the Camino with the expectation or the, yeah, the idea in my mind, I'm going to have some kind of a mystical download. And um, we kept waiting for it to happen. And it may have been this same time that Isaac was talking about where the sort of voice in my side of my head said, your responsibility is to do what you want to do. Not to try to keep up, not to try to do anything, but that not that you're only empowered to do, but you it's your responsibility as a person, as a child, as a parent, as an individual in life, do what you want to do. Boy, does that teach us a lesson. And thank you. This was such an essential, beautiful conversation. And I really, really thank you both for your time today. Thanks for having us. This has been really yeah. wonderful. Thank you. Okay. Have a wonderful rest of your summer. And we'll be in, we hope to be in touch. Great. So this interview was very relatable to me being a father. And I understand the beautiful dynamic between a father and a son of 53 years old. It's wonderful to see two generations of open nesters right on our podcast. I think it's a, it's a first for us, isn't it? I think we, it's a first for us. That's why I like it so much. Yeah. And I, you know, he talks about the anxiety of his son being in Turkey. And I relate to that. I'm, I'm anxious when my son uh, drives to school every day and taking his own car and it's a 40 minutes commute and I think about that and I'm just wondering if he's arriving safely every day it's it's my anxiety never never leave me and uh, the way he's handling it he surrender and maybe I need to try to breathe and also surrender I, I do think that you've grown over the years. I mean, you're older to have been to Turkey and to Jordan and to and to uh, the, the Far East and 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 I remember how anxious you were about that at the time. I was, and I think you know the more we practice. I mean, obviously, the more experience we have, that they come back and they're okay, and we can't control it. So the release and the surrender becomes essential. But but here is a, as a father and son. Uh, engaging in the same kind of uh, leisure activity, and it's beautiful to see whether it's a, a, a profit center for them or not doesn't really matter. But the fact that they are both 
engagements. That's beautiful, I guess, uh, trying to fill up a void for those who really need a touch. And now I understand what Cuddle Party is all about. I kind of poo-poo it in, in, in many ways. Well, actually, it's very similar to the consent in the BDSM world, like you have talked about before. But this is about life, and it's so beautiful because I, mean, I think there were so many levels in this um, in this podcast about around trust and people that have had, you know, we have this desire for touch no matter what because humans we need it, and then they, we can be terrified of it. And if people have had abuse or and they or, and they and they now have. Are empowered yeah. to ask and receive kind touch. I, I never it's been about in, kindness. Yes, so it's I, I never been in, in a cuddle party, and I don't. I mean, I, I would like to try it one We're time and, it. And, yeah. see, and see what exactly it means, just to understand. But I understand why when people are starving for that touch, and again, it, it goes back to the emulation that uh, a kid takes from. Their parents, especially the dad, as a as a as a mentor, as a father figure, and kids, you know, we don't they don't come to us with a manual that says, "Let's you can do this with this kid and they can do that with that kid." It is absolutely up to the kid and the father to figure it all out. And we hope as parents that the kid grow up to be a normal, functional human being in in the world, in the universe. You know, he said something, Adam said something, and, and their discussion of, of, with Isaac and Adam about this kind of breakdown that I had asked about kind of is about, do we rescue our child or do we support them? Do we take care or do we give care? And that, to me, was the essence of this interview. It's almost like how we accept It's and our degree of, of acceptance to allow someone to grow and that's in all relationships and it's, that's the beauty of this particular it's, it's a question of balance and from an open nesting standpoint of view uh, here is a, a, a two two fathers that are uh, doing something different and doing something similar uh, in the open nesting stage they actually engage in the same type of leisure activity and I, I found well it's their professional work yeah, they, facil they train facilitators yeah. facilitator. <laughs> it's just incredible to me that it's uh, it's that's the case uh, and they teach all of us in the open nesting stage that you know uh, anything can be done uh, if you open it to it as we talk about and even if you're a late bloomer that's right we had an episode about late bloomer right. so thank you Isaac and Adam for this unique podcast interview And thank you all for listening. I hope that you'll share the episode with people that could use to hear it and that could use more touch or that the father, the, the vulnerability of men. I think for women who are listening, please share this with your husbands. Share it with people in your life that need to understand relationships in, in this kind of dynamic and how they can flourish even th through surrender. And I, I really do. And I thank you all for For sharing, I'd like, I'd like to grow our community even more. I'm asking you to subscribe to our podcast on any of your favorite and, podcast and platforms. And visit our website, theopennesters.com, double in the middle, S at the end. A lot of great resources there. Absolutely. And also join, you know, our, close, our closed Facebook group is a private place. We'd like to hear your comments on this as well. So thank you again, and, for sh and keep on sharing. Until next time, this is Amir. And this is Tessa. And we will see you on the next episode. Ciao. You 
have been listening to the Open Nesters Podcast, a production of Kiwi Publishing and Media. Executive Producer, Tessa Crone. Music by Yoni Avi Patat. Audio Engineering by Lucid Sound. Web Design and Blogs, PJ Ewing. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms. To learn more about each episode and guest, please visit us at theopennesters.com. For questions or to be a guest on our podcast, email tessa at theopennesters.com. 